0: So the Carpathians are mountains in Eastern Europe and Western Asia. Right, right. Kardashians are a family of misfits from California. (laughs) Hey
1: everyone and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm one of your hosts. Across the table from me is the good doctor, Mr. Scott Melson. Hello, Scott. What's up, man? How are you? I'm ready to pod, dude. I'm ready to to pod it. (laughs) Let's do
0: this. I'm ready to pod it. How are you?
1: I'm well. I'm well. It's Friday. Uh, We're recording a day later than usual um, because it's been a long week.
0: Right. And good thing, too, because there's been actually a lot that has happened today. Well, big news, right? (laughs) Right, Exactly. We would have had to put another, like... Bumper, like, hey, guys, sorry, like, 20 minutes after we finished, all this stuff happened, so...
1: I didn't even bother getting out on a nice microphone. I just got my little, like, travel mic and held it in my hand very carefully and spoke into it.
0: Can I tell you what I'm excited about?
1: Yes, please. It is
0: Friday. The weather is beautiful. It is so nice. highs this weekend are going to be in the 80s.
1: Chance of rain.
0: Chance of rain. The high on Monday is, I believe, 79, last I looked.
1: What do we do to deserve this?
0: Um, uh, well, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, you clearly, somebody's <laughs> living, right? It's not it us. Wasn't, it wasn't me, it's so. not us. But, uh, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm good, had a good week at work. Things been, things have been a little, things they've been busy at work, had some... Kids have been sick? Actually, no, it's not been, uh, kids. I've had, I've just had a, I've had a slew of, uh, older patients that have had some, some stuff going on that's been pretty serious. That's taken a lot of like time and Mm -hmm. just kind of trying to figure out what's going on. But, um, you know, those are, those are cases that as a doctor on the one hand, you don't, you know, you don't ever want your patients to be really sick, but they're also sometimes interesting, you know, like they're the, they're the cases that as a doc, you're kind of really you Your wheels turning. So interesting. Yeah.
1: All right. So, uh, today's episode we had intended initially to discuss the attorney general, what that position is as kind of a follow-up to last week's interview with state auditor, Gary Jones. Yep. Um, but, uh, current, uh, AG, Mike Hunter is a little busy running for reelection and, uh, and it was just a busy week and we didn't yeah. get around to it.
0: We are, we're working on, we're working on getting attorney general Hunter on the show. If not, then at least someone from his office, yeah, maybe, uh, um, or someone who knows what's yeah, going on down there. To kind of Former. Kind of talk AG. about what the AG does. Huh? I wonder if Scott Pruitt would come on the show.
1: Oh man we talk about what, be, what a, we should you know what he's not doing anything he's not. Can we just play his music the whole time? We, we should you know what?
0: I'm actually considering should we should we reach out to uh former attorney general, former EPA administrator Pruitt and ask him' to come on the show and, and the worst talk, he can do is say no <laughs> and talk about what the attorney general does. I just want to hear him to hear him to say <laughs> this is Pruitt watch. <laughs> do you think do you think we'd have to tell him about Pruitt watch if we did that?
1: Oh, that's I'm sure he would do his homework. I'm are, not sure who does. I was gonna
0: say, are you? One would think he <laughs> are, would do his homework. Are you really?
1: <laughs> Poor guy, he's had a rough time. Yeah, yeah. He really so, screwed up.
0: We're also uh, looking at just because you know, if if you've listened uh, several episodes back, we you know we have kind of a plan and a schedule, and one of the things that we're really focusing on over the summer and leading into the fall is trying to provide some education and context about what some of the statewide officers in Oklahoma, like what these people actually do. So last week was with State Auditor Gary Jones. We're working on getting Attorney General Hunter on. We are also working on um, a couple, in fact, really uh, great guests to talk about what the lieutenant governor does here in Oklahoma. Um, it's a position that I think most people know we have, but I bet if you ask 10 people on the street, maybe one of them could tell you what the lieutenant governor does. Right. Um, and so, They're like
1: the, the vice governor, right? Right. Exactly.
0: So, so, so we're, we're not going to talk about who we're looking at, but, um, a a couple options that we are, we're in, we are actively in communication with people trying to set up. It's just a matter of getting schedules set. So we've sent our pigeons. We've, we've sent pigeons and they've come back even, um, a couple of times. Yeah. And so, uh, once we have that finalized, we'll make an announcement on social media or something and we'll have that to look forward to. So we are, we are still plowing ahead Diving into the, the recesses of the Oklahoma Constitution, at one time the longest governing document in the world, to learn what our government does.
1: That's right. And we hope that um, moving towards the general election, um, that we're going to have uh, some of, some candidates on. We'd like to have you know both candidates for a race come on, uh, and so we will be sharing those as they come about. Um, also, I'm going to go ahead. I've got four quick announcements, if I may. Before we jump into the news roundup, you may. Thank you. Um, None of which are a point of personal privilege. These are all (laughs) work-related. So, uh, first of all, if you are interested in joining the board of Let's Fix This, we are accepting some board applications. We have a few slots to fill. We've had a number of excellent applicants. Um, We'd love to get a few more. And uh, that will be posted on our website until the end of this month, until the end of July go to letsfixthisok.org, and it's board-applications. You can also click on the uh, mission or who we are about us, and there's a link to it there. Uh, You can apply online. That would be terrific. We'd love to hear from some more of you. I got one today. Um, And uh, so that's that. Secondly, a reminder that uh, in two weeks from today, on August 10th, we're going to have another tour of the state capitol restoration project with project manager trait thompson um it was really cool at our last one we had a, a good crowd that came it was the hottest day of the year record-breaking heat they shut down the entire outside portion of the restoration project so we didn't get to get on the scaffolding uh, i don't think anyone was sad about that because it was like 113 that day uh but the The project manager from Manhattan Construction, who's doing the interior portion restoration, came on the tour. Um, She was, uh, Andrea is her name, and it was um, super insightful and just really great information about how they do, what they do, and why they do it. Um, Also, Manhattan was involved in the construction of the Capitol originally in 1917. No, excuse me. I think they were involved in the construction of the Capitol in Guthrie, which was before that. And so, do they have
0: the original plans?
1: I didn't that ask be, that cuz that would be cool. That would be cool. Also, I've heard if we can return the seal to Guthrie, then like there's some kind of time warp that happens in it and that I don't know. I lost my my joke there. Interesting. It's like Ghostbusters 2, I think. <laughs> with with uh, Vigo. Vigo. Have you ever read the story about that actor that played Vigo? No. Holy moly. Interesting. It horrifying. He like, he might actually be Vigo. Like he's
0: he's as creepy as he seemed.
1: Just a real like. I want to say and don't quote me on this, but you should definitely Google actor that played Vigo Ghostbusters Two. It's a story on like Gawker or one of those. Um, and it's about googling as we speak. Yeah, Gizmodo, one of those, and that in that tribe of blogs. Um, it's um i like his dad he was in the circus or his dad was like a circus person and it was just lots of like abuse and substance abuse and really bizarre it's a depressing read but kind of fascinating all right that's way off topic Uh, anyway August 10th if you'd like to come there's always room to talk about
0: Ghostbusters (laughs) this is why I like you my friend always room.
1: my mic stand is not cooperating today I may have to go go uh, handheld Um, so, uh, yeah, Capital Tour on August 10th. You can sign up online again. Go to our website, let'sfixthisok.org, or go to our our Facebook page, facebookcom this Okay, we've well, got plenty of slots. F-
0: first, his name was
1: Norbert Grupp. Yes, that's right.
0: I think was, it's Gruppi. But he was better known outside Germany by his stage name, Wilhelm von Humburg. He was a German wrestler, yeah. boxer, and actor, known for playing Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters Two.
1: Aren't the Carpathians? No, that's the Kardashians. Nope. On the, Star Trek, there's a a, a, a race, uh, an alien race. But it's not Carpathians. It's not Kardashians. So the Carpathians are mountains in
0: Eastern Europe and Western Asia. Right. Right. The Kardashians are a family of misfits from California. <laughs> I I don't know Trek very well i'm a star wars fanatic oh
1: that's right um yeah.
0: uh, i have nothing against star trek please don't hit me on twitter
1: but yeah. um don't at me bro <laughs> um we'll f- we'll find that out here when you're talking i'll uh i'll google google that more car it is kardash it's Cardassians, not kardashians oh
0: yes 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 now what are they what are the Cardassians known for i don't remember
1: they are um Cardassians were the dominant species in an interstellar empire known as Cardassian Union. They played a key storyline in Deep Space Nine, which is not my favorite. I'm a, I'm a next generation one.
0: I say I'm not a Trekkie. I'm, I'm definitely, I would not say I'm a Trekkie. I know next generation relatively well. I was always a fan of Jean-Luc Picard.
1: Yeah, of course. Who's I always not? felt like he was. They tend to be of, dominating kind of and aggressive, ass. even in social situations. So like the Kardashians. It's like a wolf pack. <laughs> All right. Man, we've really, it's been a weird podcast so far. Thanks for hanging with us. (laughs) All right, everyone, up next, sign up for the Capital Restoration Tour on August 10th. And then also, don't forget, go to our website, let'sfixthisok.org. I'm going to plug it again and pick up one of our excellent I Voted t-shirts. Yes. This is a dark blue, a navy, if you will, very soft uh, cotton t-shirt from the Oklahoma Shirt Company. Uh, fashioned with an I Voted sticker on the left chest area, just like or very similar to the ones you get at the polls. Scott, you have one.
0: Yes. And remember, it's not a sticker. It's a way of life.
1: Ooh, I do like that. That's right. And if you enter the code Voter, V-O-T-E-R, Voter, right now you can get $5 off your I Voted t-shirt for the low, low price of just $20. Every dollar that you spend on these fashionable and soft t-shirts goes to help support our mission of expanding democracy across the globe, or at least Oklahoma. Indeed. Um, And then, son of a gun, I thought I had a fourth thing. Didn't I say four? You did. I knew what the first three were going to be. I wasn't sure about the fourth one. Man alive? I don't remember what it was. I think it was the thing about the... uh... Oh, I know what it was. I didn't put it on my list. Likely, by the time that you were listening to this episode... We will have already posted a very important event coming up on election night in November, November sixth. That's a Tuesday night election day. You're going to hear all about it from us between now and then, with lots of crazy updates. But here's the here's the preview: We're hosting an election party. That's right, folks, an election watch party. Scott and I are going to be there live on stage at the Tower Theater from six to uh, roughly ten o'clock <laughs> till whenever it's over. Right. Um. <laughs> as long as we can, we're bringing cots. Um, so uh Scott and I are gonna be hosting it's gonna be like the tonight show or the late show or the late late show, whatever you like. Yeah. Scott and I are gonna be there on stage and gonna have guests, uh some really some high profile, some low profile <laughs> guests, um, for interviews. But all equally awesome. And our hope is, our plan is we're gonna have at least one person, one candidate also having their watch party there, though we anticipate having multiple candidates. Yeah. We really want this to be a bipartisan event. Yep. We'll have one side red, one side blue, some kind of uh, demilitarized zone in the middle with food where you can come together, shake hands, meet people who may have voted differently than you, but just hang out like... Yeah. ...like Oklahomans, right? It's going to be a really good time. We're going to have food. We're going to have
0: drinks. We're going to have music. Uh, we'll be doing the podcast live. We actually will be... For we'll be, we will actually be live streaming. Live streaming. We'll so record we'll, it and post it later. Yeah, but it'll be it'll be if you're not able to come, but you want a place for kind of real time election results and commentary. We'll be streaming that live over the interwebs. That's right. Facebook, um, YouTube, through that series YouTube's of tubes, so A series of tubes known as the internet. Right. Um, it's, it's a bunch of tubes. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a really. I think it's gonna be a really good time, and I think a unique, a unique event in Oklahoma because it's not. Again, you know, we, we're we going to have candidates there. There may be some candidates that have their watch party kind of, um, you know, adjacent to ours, but it's not there to celebrate a particular candidate cause or issue. It's literally there to celebrate voting. Yes, that's exactly right. Like it's, it's, it's there to there, celebrate voting. It's like it's there to celebrate the fact that we live in a society that lets us choose our government and hold them
1: accountable. Well, the TV on upstairs and when I say TV, I mean, the projector will be on yep. um, showing some uh, some news coverage. But we'll be giving you play-by-play updates. As we interview people, we'll have live musical guests, kind of to break up the action or to provide the action. Uh, Live musical guests. We'll have a house band. Um, It's going to be an excellent time. Andrew, is there going to be a cost to enter this? No. It's going to be free for guests.
0: How often is that, guys? How often is that that you get to go to an awesome party at an awesome venue with, you know, quite frankly, pretty great people? Right. And it, and all you got to pay is whatever you want to drink, right? right. Yeah. Like
1: free snacks. Yeah. Cash bar,
0: you know, like should be a great deal. What, what, I mean, what the hell else are you going to do on a Tuesday night?
1: Right. Right. Also, this is a great chance, um, depending on who all is there, it's a great chance to meet some candidates and some elected officials because some of those folks are going to win. Yep. hundred percent. So that will be really excellent. We look forward to seeing all of you there. Even if you don't like politics, come for the music, come for the laughs, come for the tears. And and you might and if you and if you come for any of those things, you may find
0: out that you actually do like politics.
1: That's true. You
0: know, I w- in fact I'll even I will even bet you money right now. And okay, let me take that back. I will not bet you actual money. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'll but, bet you monopoly money, right? Um, but you know, I, we hear this a lot. I and it's one of my like I've started I, not a soapbox. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a soapbox, but It's a shampoo you know, box. People people talk all the time. Well, I. I don't care about politics. I'm not interested in politics. It doesn't affect me. Just so you know, whether you choose to acknowledge that it does or not, it does. When we talk about politics, we're really talking about a root word that is from the Greek. No. Oh. Polity, right? The polity is, it, is the Greek. Polity. The, the polity is the Greek word for city. All right, and politics refers to it is the affairs of the citizens right like literally means politics literally the word politics comes from the greek word that means the affairs of the people in the cities which if you lived in greece prehistoric greece or early historic greece <laughs> you lived in a city right like right. You'd, you'd, athens like sparta right city states yeah and so that's literally what it means so politics politics doesn't mean You know, fighting and infighting and bickering. Those are things that happen as part of politics. But politics is how we do things. Politics is how we make decisions. Politics is how we come together. It's how we govern ourselves. And whether you vote or not, it impacts your daily life, right? Whether you vote or not, Andy, you love to say this, whether you vote or not, somebody is going to run in the election. And somebody is going to win the seat. And that somebody is going to make decisions that affect your life day to day whether you give them your input or not.
1: That's right. Decisions are made by those who show up.
0: You know, so so you you may not want to, you know, read the Cook Political Report for fun or try and figure out how 538 derives their likely voter model. Like, you you may not want to do those things, and that's fine. You can leave that to people like Andrew and me who do this for a hobby because we're... Trying have to break a, it all down for because you. Because we have an unhealthy obsession. But But you can... You can vote, and you can absolutely show up on a Tuesday night for a couple hours and celebrate with all the rest of
1: and us. Hang out. That should be a good time. All right, Scott. Well, with that note,
0: shall we? Now that now that we've covered, now that we've covered the origin, the Greek origin origins of the word voting, Vigo the Carpathian, Ghostbusters to the Kardashians, the Carpathians, and mm-hmm. the Kardashians. Should we like well, let's n- do some actual news? Should we start the pod? That's
1: right. So. so <laughs> For, oh, there for, we go. There it is. There it is. All right, <laughs> hey we're, everyone. We're really starting. This is about politics. It's not just. Uh, it's not just about us. Whatever we talk about, making stuff up. So, uh, w-
0: w- news updates today are. Uh, don't miss this segment. News roundup. Weekly news roundup. We have um, the very first thing. We actually don't have an article for this. This is some. I mean, literally breaking news that happened. I think a couple hours before we are recording. Uh, the agenda has been posted for the next meeting of the Board of Health. As I'm sure everyone listening is aware, Oklahoma recently voted to legalize medical marijuana. Shortly after we voted, the Board of Health met and came up with a series of rules uh, to regulate this new industry. Uh, some of the rules that they passed were somewhat controversial, requiring a pharmacist to be present in dispensaries, limiting the amount of THC uh, that growers can put in their plants so that growers can grow. Um, eliminating smokable forms of marijuana requiring a pregnancy test for women before they can be uh, given a license for medical marijuana um, those caused some consternation mm-hmm. uh, the natives were pe- restless uh, people have been upset um, as part of all this uh, it was it was demonstrated that there was uh, there were some unhealthy interactions between the chair of the state board of pharmacy and the general counsel for uh, the State Board of Health. The General Counsel of the State Board of Health has subsequently uh, resigned and been charged with, I think, two felonies and a misdemeanor. She gone. Uh, the, state, uh, the chair of the State Board of Pharmacy was terminated yesterday or the day before for offering a bribe to said general counsel to the State Board of Health. Alleg- however... Allegedly.
1: Right. And however, her attorney indicated they might countersue.
0: Yeah, which is odd to me because... Yeah. That's odd to me. Like, they have the text messages that show her offering a job to the general counsel. Right. Like, the, the, they, te- the text messages would seem to show a bribe.
1: Right. And they were like, uh, she may have been wrongfully terminated. And, and all of us thought, that seems unlikely. Yes. In addition to that, this
0: week on Wednesday represented the first meeting of the uh, bipartisan uh, legislative working group to address medical cannabis. They met on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. Did you listen to that? I did not. It was um, interesting. I mean, they so I don't want to steal your thunder here, but okay. they had members, representatives from Green the Vote and from Yes on Seven Eighty Eight. Uh, Bud Scott was there, and I forget the guy's name from Green the Vote, which is really the organization that's pushing s- recreational marijuana.
0: Right, state question like Seven Ninety Seven or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. I think there's Seven Ninety Six. There's and, two. Yeah,
1: but I don't know. I haven't even looked into see why yeah. there's two. Uh, but yeah, so they they were there. They provided a lot of context, particularly in relation to how our these rules relate to other states. Right. Um, I, one thing that I thought was interesting is that I guess California recently passed some new testing rules or guidelines. Okay. And and ours were modeled after theirs. The problem with theirs is that no one can even afford to build the lab required to meet their testing thresholds. Okay. And so he's like, "That's dumb for us to have that because they can't do it. And if California can't do it, we sure as hell can't do it here." Right. Uh, eh,
0: okay, some okay. context helps. Interesting. So that bipartisan legislative working group met. Um, the State Board of Health said they're going to set a special meeting, which is going to happen, I believe, next week on August 1st. And that meeting is going to readdress the rules that were passed a couple of weeks ago that caused all of this fervor. Um, and that is the background that leads up to the breaking news today. And the breaking news today is that the State Board of Health has posted the agenda for that meeting, and they have also posted a draft of the new rules. And if you uh, voted for medical cannabis in Oklahoma, and you were upset by these modifications to the program, Mm -hmm. you will likely be very happy at the proposed rule changes. So the new rules would... Uh, dispense with the requirement of having a pharmacist in the dispensary. You see what I did there? Um, <laughs> uh-huh. No pharmacists in dispensaries. It would eliminate the cap on THC concentration uh, for growers from 12% to no cap. It would eliminate the requirement that preg- that women undergo a pregnancy test and have a negative pregnancy test before getting a license. It would reinstate smokable forms of marijuana. And it would eliminate the rule stating that dispensaries cannot be located within 1,000 feet of a school.
1: Interesting. Okay. It would, excuse me, it would remove
0: churches from that rule. So the rule right. said that dispensaries cannot be located within 1,000 feet of a church or a school. It will remove churches from that right. requirement. So they still can't be within 1,000 feet of a school, but they can be next door to a church.
1: Which is fine.
0: Right. Um I believe those are the main rule changes and those I think
1: and you can buy it on Sundays, right?
0: Yes, you can also buy it on Sundays. So, those I think the So you address, can leave church
1: and go next door. Right.
0: Those changes I think I think address all of the concerns that I have heard yeah. from proponents of the of the medical cannabis. Yeah, I think so. So, so assuming that, you know, nothing uh, nothing else untoward happens which is assuming a lot because there's five days between now and August 1st. And the way this has gone down, five things will happen every day. So um, assuming there are no other changes, the State Board of Health will meet on Wednesday. They'll pass those amended rules, and everyone can just um, take a deep breath or sit back and smoke a bowl or or
1: whatever you you do to relax. (laughs) Um, So we're going to try to get either uh, Senator Greg McCourtney or House Rep John or Majority Leader John Eccles here on the podcast maybe next week to discuss this i don't i didn't i had to tune out before the end of the meeting do you know if the working group is meeting again i i assume they'll meet again i don't know when okay maybe we can find out try to get them on the phone for next week do you happen to know did
0: they have any representatives from the medical community there uh i think so to give testimony on medical marijuana
1: yes i believe they had um i didn't i again i only caught about half of the meeting um but I believe that they did have people um, kind of from both sides. The part that I caught, and I just because I had to go pick up my kids, I <laughs> didn't get the rest. Was that right. they um, were? It was it was the proponents side, and they were trying to, you know, kind of ask like, what was the original intent of this law? You know, how did you want to
0: say to get medical to get recreational marijuana?
1: No, I mean they yeah. were. Because <laughs> that was the intent of the law. No, it was a really it was really earnest and like really int- I mean, just kind of personable and yeah. and pretty authentic. It's, um, the guy from green, the vote who's like really highly regarded in this and yeah. does, you know, like this is a real business for him. Um, just his manner of speaking was so disarming and, and several of the legislators appreciated his candor. Um, because uh, he was very professional and, and a little bit, he sounded, I mean, he was like, he didn't sound like a pothead, but he sounded just like probably the kind of guy that's into this. Like, he was pretty chill and just like, I mean, he wasn't like, yeah, right. man. Right. You know, let's just... He, but, wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't the dude, but he wasn't like, <laughs> wow. he wasn't wound up tight. Right. Come on,
0: Walter. <laughs> if you don't know that reference, shame on you. And if you are feeling ashamed now, your assignment this weekend is to go on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, wherever you watch your movies and watch the big Lebowski.
1: That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> uh,
0: a point of advice. Do not, do not do the internet game where you watch the big Lebowski and, uh, make yourself a white Russian. Every time the dude drinks a white Russian.
1: Oh, right. Don't I, do, don't, don't do that. I okay. heard today in a, uh, in a meeting, um, that some people were at a at a OU Texas watch party and that they had a drinking game where you took a shot of tequila every time the television announcers said the name Bob Stoops. And this was during Bob Stoops' era. So by the end of the first quarter, everyone was like, we got to quit playing this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't... I can't even imagine that. No, I don't think that seems like... You might as well just said you're going to take a shot whenever they use the word and. Right. Now, I've heard people play this game
0: where you... With Big Bowski where you you try to like either take a shot or like I don't think it's even that you drink a whole White Russian; it's that you have to take a drink every time the dude drinks a White Russian. And I'm just I'm just gonna let you know that is that is a great like that's a fast lane trip down the road to uh, hepatitis, alco- to right. Alcoholic hepatitis <laughs> or alcohol poisoning. Like believe me. like I'm not being this is not a this is not a read between the lines moment. When I'm saying don't do that, I'm actually saying.
1: Don't. For the love of God, don't do that. <laughs> also, just a lot of milk, and we've all seen the milk challenge where you can't drink a whole yeah, gallon. Then. Yeah.
0: So, so that's your that is your uh, recreation, your uh, medical marijuana update for the day. But as has become our habit and pattern here on Let's Fix This, our first our news article in our news roundup today is also cannabis related. This is uh, recreational cannabis. There are two state questions. Moving forward right now, um, they have very nearly all the signatures that they need to get these on the ballot. Um, we've got an article by Dale Denwalt, great journalist uh, at News Ok, the Oklahoman. Uh, for recreational marijuana in Oklahoma, the November vote might be too early. So we had this discussion last week and we've had it in some other meetings that we've been in on whether or not uh, recreational marijuana, should they get the number of signatures that they need, which is 124,000 valid signatures by August 8th, whether they would be able to get recreational cannabis on the ballot in November. Mm-hmm. I think you and I placed a, made a gentleman's agreement about this. You said it won't be, and I said it will be. It looks like, I'm not giving up hope, but it looks like you're going to win. Um, so this article hot diggity. really digs into the Kind of the um, the nitty gritty, if you will, about how state questions work and what has to happen in order for a state question to be placed on the ballot.
1: Because so, it's some of this is like in statute, right? right. In yeah. in the law, right? In the way the Constitution is written, that there are some numbers that are that are definitively articulated, right? Like um, they have to have everything done seventy days prior to the election. Right. In order to have time to put it on the ballot. Right. However, it typically takes 60 days right. to like validate all the signatures. Right.
0: So they need 124,000 signatures. They need those by August 8th. Right. Um, however, once you turn in the signatures, they have to be validated. Right. And so... Mm-hmm. If you ever have wondered what the Secretary of State does in the state of Oklahoma, this is one of the things. And the Secretary of State, James Williamson, had said that his office will have to hire employees, train those employees, and then have them count the signatures, and that could take two weeks. Now, it seems like that since this is one of their big responsibilities and there are state questions all the time, they should already have employees that know how to validate signatures, but that's, you know... Well, it's not
1: employees, it's like contract, because it's not all the time. Right, but But then they have to be verified by the Supreme Court. Right,
0: and so, essentially... the, and the, the, the other the other important date here, so August 8th is the date by which they have to have the signatures. However, the last day that Governor Fallon can add questions to the November ballot is August the 27th. Mm-hmm. So they have uh, 19 days in between. So even if they turn in the signatures on time on August 8th, even if the signatures are all validated, then they turn them into the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court has to certify them. And that usually takes eight to 10 days all right and then after that according to state law the organizers of state questions have to push up they have to put a public notice in a newspaper and they have to wait 10 business days in case somebody wants to challenge the signatures if there's no challenge only then can you put the state question on the ballot and uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Someone is going to challenge the signatures. Like that's gonna, yeah, that, that, going like, to. that's going to happen.
1: Well, because you, typically you 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 typically get like twenty percent more signatures, right? As a buffer, they, because they throw some out. Because what happens if if anything on that page is off a little bit, they throw the whole page out, right? And so that's why they need one hundred twenty-four thousand signatures. They're
0: collecting one hundred and fifty, right? Yeah. So
1: let's just quick math here: one hundred and fifty thousand signatures, and they have nineteen days. You said, is that count weekends? No, they have 19 days not to get the signatures. Right, right. But to get them validated before the deadline. Yeah, yeah, So that is, they would have to validate them at a pace of 7,895 signatures per day in an eight-hour day. That's basically they have to validate 1,000 signatures a day, which seems like a lot. Not a small task, right? I mean, if you've got, you know, 30 people doing it, that's one thing, but that's not the way this works. There's no reason to hire that many people right
0: and so uh isaac uh Ka- Kevinis, is that how you say his name he's president of green the vote and he said if he gets the signatures turned in by august 8th and the governor does the government does everything you know as quickly as they can um he says we should have th- a three-day window i think that the biggest hurdle there is getting them certified and then not getting a legal challenge. And there will be a legal challenge, I think. I mean, I, I think there's enough. The opposition the opposition to this in some quarters of Oklahoma is fierce enough that I think the signatures will be challenged. I think there's also a cohort of people who do not want recreational cannabis on the ballot in 2018. Um
1: well, someone will file it even if they don't care, right? Just to delay it right. to get it not on this ballot, right? Right. right. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. Is there's, there's enough people
0: who don't want it, even if they don't care about marijuana, they don't want it on this ballot, right? And so they'll challenge them for that reason.
1: Did in, in our previous discussion of medical marijuana, did you mention that you can now uh, apply online? That that's live. I didn't because I didn't know that. Oh yes. So there's a new website for all of this. Um, That is, um, it's the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Association. Um, And if you go to omma.ok.gov, that's Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Association.ok.gov, they've got a, a pretty quick and easy website. It's surprisingly well done. It has the draft of the emergency rules that will be voted on next week. It has the summary of the rule revisions, it's got the application information, adult patient, minor patient information, temporary patient. If you're from out of state, caregiver, grower, processor, dispensary, and transportation application information. Uh, information for physicians. Hello, Dr. Milson, and uh, research application information, and uh, and then stuff about 788 passage, all that stuff. A dedicated website. It's pretty handy. You know, here's what I'll say about this. In spite of the stuff going on at the health department with certain individuals, right? And I, I want to I want to differentiate here between the health department being the, the several thousand good, solid, salt-of-the-earth Oklahomans who are doing this public health work. And the two or three people who are really screwing things up for everybody else. That happen to be the ones in charge. Right. Yeah, the people at the top that are just the bad apples and giving this great organization a bad name. Somehow in this, the organization has done a couple of great things. One, they pulled up all these rules and a dedicated website for this and a dedicated email address, oma at ok.gov. was up there. I think there's still a job opening to run this organization as well. Um, they've done this pretty quickly. Also, on a totally unrelated note... But if you are an organization or a business and you would like to provide free condoms to people coming in, you can apply and they will – the health department now has a, a, a method to get you condoms to like stock like in your your bar, your restaurant, your coffee shop, your hangout place, whatever, your cyber cafe. That's the thing. Condoms at health.ok.gov. That's the email so address. Do you just like go up to the guy that's
0: like working at the cyber cafe and be like, hey, dude.
1: No, you go to the bowl you got any condoms. You just go to the jar or whatever and pull them, Make them yourself.
0: But I mean, would you do that? Would you like just be would you just be walking out of a condom sh- out of a coffee shop and then like there's a bowl of condoms there and if you, you need just need them and grab why some. Why not?
1: They're free. If you need them. I mean, you can go to the store and buy, and pay extra money for name brand Trojans that aren't any better than other ones. Or you're at the coffee shop and you grab one and you go. I don't like have an ethical or like moral problem with it. I just am. I mean, there are some stigma things, <laughs> but if you if it if we if more people do this, then it's less stigmatized. That's like, it's more normal. I mean, that's a hundred percent. I mean, not everybody's doing it, but like this is a normal part of life for every species on the planet. Oh no, I, I no, not all not I, all species I, use condoms. I,
0: <laughs> I think we're probably unique in that way. Um no i i get that obviously but um that's just oh that's interesting i didn't know so that.
1: there you go it's really aimed at you know non-profit like social right. services organizations who right. may not otherwise have a agreement in place with the state department of health but this is a great way for health clinics i'm just imagining it's like it's 1 30 in the morning
0: uh, attention everybody, we are about to take uh last call at the bar, so please, uh, if you need another drink tonight, come up
1: and uh, place your order, close out your tab. Also, on your way out... Uh, Grab a couple of rubbers. Don't forget to get a condom. <laughs> Thank you. Right. But in a state that leads the country in teen birth, in uh, chlamydia, syphilis, uh, gonorrhea, these things, like, that's not a terrible idea. In fact, it's a pretty damn great idea. No, I...
0: I don't disagree with you at all. Like on the merits of like more people should use condoms. It's just, that's interesting to me. I, I'd never had, it never occurred to me
1: that that would be a like delivery method. I mean, here's to break it down and we're way off topic now per the entire episode, but <laughs> to break it down, like let in using your scenario, right. It's the end of the night is last call. You're at uh, a bar club, whatever. And you've had a few drinks. You're Ubering home with your date that you've met or whatever and or your wife right that she's still your date you met her sometime (laughs) partner person of interest whoever right anyway you're going home and you think you might even get lucky right and you're a guy or a girl doesn't doesn't matter anybody can grab these right um the the smart like let's say you know you don't have any protection with you it's not in your purse your wallet whatever you don't have any at home and you know you should use it but you're not going to Ask your Uber driver to swing by a Walgreens so you can right. run in and, and buy a pack of Trojans. Yeah. But you might just grab a couple of, of condoms out of the bowl at the bar to go home and do the right thing and protect yourself and protect your partner. I
0: I, I totally agree. I, I
1: As I'm thinking this through, I feel like the restroom might be strate- the best strategic place. Okay. Well, a lot of places might be able to buy a – I mean, they can buy a fishbowl. In fact, I think you can get them – they come like in a little – like a fishbowl turned on its side kind of. But like a container for them, yeah. Put it in the bathroom. This thing has come off the rails. This is this is <laughs> what I do for a living. <laughs> Let's I, take things off the no, rails. I, no, it's, no this, this is uh this
0: is. I mean, this is. I mean, that's. I mean, that's great. That is. I think without question, that's great public health policy. Like that. I, I don't think there's any argument with that. And your point about the health department as an organization that is doing good work and that they've got you know, they have regulations in place to regulate, to to establish and govern a brand new industry for the state within 30 days. I mean, that's impressive. That's not a small thing. No. Um, and and so Some I think said it they, couldn't be done. they do deserve to be commended. But all that to say, recreational for this November, probably not going to happen, uh, whether that's good or bad, you know, <laughs> is kind of really where you sit on the issue, but um probably that's not going to happen. Next up, now that we're now that we're 45 minutes into the podcast, number 2 on our news roundup. Do you want to talk about Star Trek again? I mean, we <laughs> we can. I'll be a little bit out of my element, but we can talk about Ooh. we can go
1: sp- the politics of Star Trek would be a fascinating episode. Dude, we
0: can go Star Wars all day?
1: No, Star Wars is different. But also,
0: there's a Federation and there's a our next pod Star Wars.
1: What about Star Trek?
0: I mean, it's fine. All right. Alright. We'll discuss this later. Um, we have two articles. The first one uh, the first one for our next item is from News OK. Trade war threatens two hundred and eight million dollars of Oklahoma exports. So we try to stay away other than brute Watch, we try to stay away from major national stories here. Not because those aren't important and not because they don't affect your life, because they do but we really try to kind of be hyper-local here on the pod and talk about what's happening in Oklahoma City on a day-to-day basis because for obvious reasons, that doesn't get near as much coverage. However, this is one that we felt was really worth getting into the weeds a little bit. Um, President Trump has, um, as fulfilling a, cam- a campaign pledge that he made, has instituted wide a wide-ranging um, uh, system of tariffs on countries with which the United States has bilateral trade this includes canada mexico the european union and china Uh, president trump campaigned on cracking down on what he describes as unfair trade practices in which uh as he sees it other countries are taking advantage of the united states his in his um i'm trying not to be just super talking down to the president but um he seems to think that when the United States has a trade deficit with a nation that means that they are that they owe us money or that they are stealing from us in some way which is not the case you can have a legitimate argument whether or not having a trade de- deficit is a good or a bad thing um, but you know he will say that you know we had a 500 uh, a 500 million dollar trade deficit with the European Union last year like they're stealing from us and that's to be clear that's just not what that means however um, he has put tra- uh, put some tariffs on um, pork. Um, uh, he's put tariffs on uh, steel. He's put tariffs on iron. And as many people have anticipated, when he enacted these tariffs on other countries, those other countries responded by putting tariffs on products that are exported from the United States. Um, this is according to News OK right now. Um, There's about $208 million of products that are made here in Oklahoma that are typically exported that are in danger of decreasing in value or not being able to be exported because of these retaliatory tariffs. And just so you know, that $208 million uh, translates to 401,000 jobs that are dependent on uh, trade in three industries.
1: That's all in Oklahoma? All in Oklahoma.
0: That's uh, export of meat, mostly pork, um, and then iron, steel pipes, and cotton. This is all according to the U.S. Chamber of uh, Commerce. Um, Roy Lindsay, who is executive director of the Oklahoma Port Council, side note, when you go to the fair this year, and you should go to the fair, you need to go to the Oklahoma Port Council booth, and you need to eat their sandwich. It's gonna change your life. Really? Just letting you know. I had no idea. Oklahoma Port Council. Uh, Roy Lindsay says, we're an industry that's growing and rapidly all across the country, and that growth is, quote, all predicated on exports. Pork farmers export about 27.5% of their product. So when you can't export that, that means that you get a buildup of supply. And when you get a build up of supply, Andrew, what happens?
1: Prices go down. Prices go
0: down. And if prices go down and you're a pork farmer, is that good or bad for you? Terrible. That's not good, right? The other thing... You can't bring
1: home the bacon, as they say.
0: Right. The other thing is that um, there uh, are tariffs on imported steel. Um, we have an industry in Oklahoma that is highly dependent on imported steel. Um, hmm. Andy, thoughts on uh, what industry that might be?
1: Well, maybe the one that they're buying, building the big like metal rig thing that also uses a metal drill that goes down in the ground.
0: Uh, you are correct, sir. Ding, ding, 100 ding. points for you. So um, pipeline infrastructure, refineries, drilling, um, petroleum extraction, all of this requires steel. And most of the steel that they use is imported um so you know we heard uh man back in the spring when we were talking about going gross production tracks from two percent to five percent uh we heard a lot about how much that was going to destroy the like energy industry in oklahoma i am curious if we're going to hear now that imported steel just got a whole lot more expensive how much we're going to hear from industry about what um
1: what that is going
0: to do to energy in oklahoma
1: yeah i mean such a weird deal because like you know, it's an industry that um, I think that most Trump policies have been had a pretty positive impact, and so all of a sudden now this this happens, and now they've like they've got to go to Washington and be like, "Hey, right, man, Mr. President, right? Um, I know you're trying to do what you think is right, but let me tell you how it's hurting us."
0: Right. Well, and just philosophically, if you're a Republican in particular, um, you know, as I've talked about on the show, I'm a Democrat. I think of myself as, you know, I mean, depending on the issue, i I try not to be too broad a brush, but I'm probably fairly progressive by most people's stance. But I mean, when it comes to trade, I am I am firmly in the camp of trade. I think that free trade by and large is good for the economy. I think it's good for the world. Um, and I don't think the tariffs are an effective way again, when used as kind of a blunt instrument, I don't think the tariffs are a particularly effective way to to, to kind of punish another country at least not well, when they're being used the way that they're used here And they're having you know where our economy is doing well in Oklahoma right now and this is a, this is a danger to it and I'm just really curious both from a policy standpoint and a political standpoint, how does this impact? how does this impact the support that oklahomans give the president number 1 and in whatever way it does if it does how does it impact what the electorate looks like here locally and what what happens in november right like does that like like if the tariffs lead to oklahomans being less supportive of the president as a whole does that change the voting patterns of oklahomans as a whole in November a year when the president's not on the ballot.
1: I don't and I don't think people are going to pay close enough attention to this kind of issue.
0: I think that you are probably right except that farmers across the country are already feeling this. Like it's been estimated that the, it's been estimated that the soybean
1: industry alone has lost 13 billion dollars. Right. From these tariffs. I, well, I agree with that, but a lot of those companies are multinational farms, not mom-and-pop voters. True, true. That's absolutely true. But all that
0: to say, check out that article on News OK. Related to that, this is a separate article, but it's we're kind of putting it in the same subject line. There is an article from the from Politico uh, that is talking about how the president, uh, how his administration is planning to tackle this. And the short story is um, using... Uh, using to, like commodity support programs that are in the Farm Bill so they don't require authorization from Congress for new spending. Um, Sidetrack, quick civics lesson, Congress has the power of the purse. So if the government wants to spend money, Congress has to appropriate it. However, if money has already been appropriated, sometimes there is discretionary spending and this program falls under that. So this is $12 billion that the president can spend And doesn't have to ask anybody's permission. Okay. Um, They have used, uh, announced a plan to use these two commodity support programs and you distribute about $12 billion to farmers um, across the country to kind of offset the effect of these tariffs. Now, just to kind of, to come full circle here. And, and again, if you think I'm wrong or you think that this is, you know, I'm getting too partisan. I Just, you know, call me out, I guess. But the president instituted tariffs. The countries against which he instituted tariffs issued retaliatory tariffs. That has caused the income of farmers to go down because prices have dropped. So the president is going to use taxpayer funds to support the farmers and the income that they've lost because
1: of the tariffs that he instituted. So I will, again, highlight that's circular. That's just money from your left pocket going to your right pocket. Right. Right. Secondly, this while this will affect some Oklahomans, undoubtedly, where agriculture is a big business here, this more proportionally and, and to a greater proportion affects big business, like big ag, which are... Often companies that are uh, headquartered in China, Um, China, they're over in China, in China, in China, China, in in China, Uh, and so that's our President (laughs) Trump impersonation.
0: In case anyone was not clear, not gonna
1: do it. Um, (laughs) And so yeah, and so hashtag sad. He's going to give. He's going to give money back to farmers, but a lot of that money is going to go to other multinational companies who are not actually Oklahoma. Yeah. Now, some, yes, I will agree. And, like, for those people, this matters a lot. I'm just saying a big chunk of change is going out of the country again.
0: And the thing is, you know, it didn't have to be this way. Like, I understand that he's trying to hit – I understand he's trying to hit China – now, I'm not an expert on international trade or economics, but to me, if you want to hit China, the way that you do it is to, you know, maybe form like an organization of like all the countries that are around China and get them all together and negotiate a widespread Um, trade agreement between all of those countries so that it puts all of those countries kind of together where they're on the same side, where they're trading with each other, but they're not trading with China. And that way you have a lot of leverage. You can can say, hey, we have this organization of like 15 countries that all trade with each other and none of them are going to trade with you. And if you want to be part of it, you can, but if you are going to do that, then here's what you have to give us. Here's concession A, B, and C that we want from you if you want access to this market of like 15 countries. Like to me, that seems like a better way to do it just so everybody knows there's a thing called the Trans-Pacific Partnership that we spent the last like 7 years negotiating and Did we didn't he get out of it though yeah and that was the thing that president trump ran on was we're going to get out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership so that we can use tariffs to go after China instead of staying in the TPP and using the combined clout of 15 separate markets including the US and Japan and and use that clout to go after China well but you know he
1: that's fine I'm not I'm not convinced that he knows what he's doing all the time <laughs> I, nor do I <laughs> that's But fa- nice safe but my decisions don't don't affect uh, <laughs> the world 400 million people the world all
0: right so that's it for that's it for trade and trade subsidies next up we've got an article from the Tulsa world this is a short article but I thought it was still worth um, mentioning uh, guess what? Good news for the state of Oklahoma. We're going to put three hundred and seventy estimated $370 million in our rainy day fund this year. Currently the balance is at $70 million because we've spent it down over the last four years. Well, spent it down several times. Yes, uh, and have not made a deposit since like 2014, I believe. Right. Um, but we are estimated to deposit $370 million in the rainy day fund this year. Um, another kind of piece, another article, another piece of info that goes along with that comes from the uh, Energy Index. The Energy Index is... And what is that noise? The Energy Index is published by uh, Oklahoma Energy Today. It is a project of the uh, uh, OIPA, the Oklahoma Independent Petroleum Association, and the Stephen C. A. G. Economic Research and Policy Institute. And uh, the, the Oklahoma Energy Index shows that Oklahoma's oil and gas industry is um, doing pretty well, undergoing a significant period of uh, expansion, drilling a lot of wells, hiring a lot of people, uh, strong gains in uh, crude oil prices. Uh, Index has grown by 14.3% from one year ago. Um, Industry added uh, 2,000 new jobs in May. Whoa. 2,000 new jobs in May, 9,000 jobs in the last year. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. Um. What I I don't remember. So so in in the I don't sp- believe you already, but go in ahead. The, in the spring, we were having a discussion about needing new revenue to pay for like classroom expenses and a teacher raise, and part of that discussion was increasing. There was a tax we were going to talk. That about. Was, the tax, right. was the gross production. tax, That's right. The gross production tax on oil and on, natural gas. That's right. And we talked about increasing it from two percent to five <clears> percent. <throat> yes, quite right. I've. I feel like I feel like there was, you know, there were some people saying that if we did that, I mean that would just be just like the death knell for for energy in Oklahoma. Yes.
1: Well, Scott, there was some some consternation concerning the gross production tax. There was members of the industry that thought that it would be uh, quite the death blow, if you will, and indeed it is not. Well, we did it. And they hired 2,000
0: people two months ago.
1: 2,000 humans toiling away in the fields of western Oklahoma. Or sitting on computers. Also, very smart people. <laughs> Landmen, <laughs> if you will. Analysts.
0: So we included this just to say we uh, we increased taxes. And Governor Fallon, as well as the, I believe, state treasurer said that the bulk of the $370 million that we're supposed to put in the rainy day fund this year... Is coming from new revenue. It's not just from the fact that the economy is doing better. Most of it is coming from the fact that we raised taxes, and so there's new money coming in. And simultaneously, while that was happening, the energy industry was also doing gangbusters. So all that to say, we can have the gross production tax at a reasonable level that funds state core services, and the energy industry can make a shit ton of money. Both of those things can happen at the same time.
1: It can, However, Scott, I will caution you to not get too optimistic. As we know, sometimes the price of oil goes up, and other times
0: it goes down. What is this voice you're
1: doing? I don't know. I really intended to do this <laughs> week new. the entire time with an accent of some, some kind of funny voice. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm, but don't I sound don't I sound smarter? I'm. I mean, I'm not against it.
0: I'm not saying that it needs to go away. I'm just saying that I didn't see it coming.
1: Perhaps next week we speak about the politics of Star Wars or Star Trek entirely. And we both speak with voices that are not our own. I will
0: tell you that I have a reputation as being really bad at accents. I do accents, but the thing is they all tend to come out as German. Oh, that's right. You Or Russian. That's <laughs> like, all like of yours do. No matter what accent I'm doing, they're all German or Russian.
1: But we could talk about... Star Trek. What if next week it's Star Trek politics?
0: Now, see, this is your Captain Kirk, right? It was
1: a terrible Captain Kirk. I need to work on it. I've never done it before, so that was the first go. It's never good. Time next po- time. That's our next
0: next podcast is in two s- weeks. Scott and Andy's interpretation and, and okay. uh, impersonations. Next up, I'm only going to talk about this. This is going to be really, really brief because it's a really long article, but it is one- Hundred percent worth your time. This is by Brianna Bailey at the Frontier. Please oh, this is check it a, out.
1: A mind blowing. Yes. Uh, get some tissues. Yes. Go ahead and get ready. Yes. Settle in, uh, because this is going to make you want to join the fight.
0: Yes. This is a. I mean, like seriously. Please, like read this article. It's called "The Meat Man Versus the State of Oklahoma." It's about a gentleman named Laverne Berryhill who died in prison for stealing fifty-two dollars worth of meat from an Oklahoma City grocery store. Pause. Yes. Worth of meat. Yes. In 1990, he was 33 years old and an Oklahoma judge uh, sentenced him to 40 years in prison for shoplifting. Now, I do, I think, I think that there is one point that's important to make here. Um, One of the reasons that he was sentenced to such a long, like one of the reasons that he was, was put in prison for such a long time was because he had so many prior convictions. Mr. Hill was a drug addict. He engaged in theft repeatedly to support that habit. However, he was always careful to steal under $50 because if you stole under $50, that was a misdemeanor and you like could only be, you could only be sentenced, um, you, there were limitations into how long you could serve in prison as long as it was a misdemeanor. So he always tried to steal under $50. However, one time he made a mistake, he stole $52. And when that happened, they threw the book at him because he had such a long criminal history. It, and I'm not saying, and I, and I I only bring that up because I, and I love The Frontier, and I think Brianna does fantastic work I think that to say he was sentenced to 40 years in prison because he stole $52 worth of meat. I think that the full story is he was sentenced to 40 years in prison because he stole $52 worth of meat after having spent like the last 10 years stealing things $45 at a time. That doesn't make it okay. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't mean that that's what should have happened. Like what should have happened is this guy should have gotten treatment for the substance abuse disorder that he suffered from and not died in prison. Like that's what, should have happened. But I think that I think that there would be maybe some pushback on the idea that like it was this one thing. He committed right. this one crime and got put in prison for the rest of his no, life. No,
1: but it, it this article does a great job of highlighting the larger issue that we all know exists <laughs> is that we have terrible infrastructure in our criminal justice system. Hundred um, percent to hundred redirect and by his own admission he's yes. like, I need to get out of this. I need to get off this crack. Right. I need to right do things differently. So. Right.
0: No, it's a and that's and that's really we could, I mean, we could literally do a whole podcast talking about this, and maybe we should. Maybe we should have Brianna on and, and talk about it because it's such a, a um, fascinating and tragic story. But please, go to the Frontier and check it out.
1: And speaking of criminal justice, if you are interested, if you really want to make a difference at this and this is something you're passionate about and you want to do this full-time, um, the good people at OK Policy are hiring. They got a new grant to do yes. a project about yes. this. do it. Um, and... I mean, I'll, uh, it looks great. Like it, um, it seems like a great job. And if you are at all interested in this, um, man, go up there. They need your help, and they, you could dive into this and be a, it'd be a really great thing for America, at least for Oklahoma, for America. America. So, all
0: right, I believe that our last article today is a very recent post. Some breaking news this afternoon from Nandoc. Andrew, would you like to? I've got that one right back? here,
1: Scott. Dateline Oklahoma City. Uh, PSO, which is the Public Service Company of Oklahoma, announced today that it's going to cancel the 4.5 billion, that's billion with a B, Bravo, uh, Wind Catcher Project. So the Wind Catcher Project, you may have heard about it maybe in passing. This was a giant wind farm that was going to go in out in the panhandle of Oklahoma uh, where there's lots of wind and not much else. And it was going to be uh, out there. It's going to be the largest wind farm... In the country, and uh, then the entire continent in North America.
0: If you're in the panhandle, we know that there's also beef cattle. Just, there's beef cattle. And pigs. Beef pigs. cattle, corn, soy, pigs,
1: and wind. Yeah, yeah. Alfalfa. Yes. Anyway. Proceed. Um, but it, you can grow many of those things beneath the, uh, the wind farm, right? Um, I believe all of them. All of them. I don't think any of them are tall enough to reach the wind turbines. Anyway, um, this would have been a huge deal. Um, And it's been talked about for a long time. Now, we had heard, again, there was some consternation concerning the Wind Cutcher project from landowners because, well, because if you build a big wind turbine and it spins when the wind blows and it generates energy with the, uh, the turbine inside, that energy has to get back into the grid somehow. And so it gets back in the grid through... Big old fat wires, right? Big, high voltage electric wires that run. I think they run underground between them. Eventually, it goes up and goes on a pole, and it's gotta it's gotta go back into the grid.
0: They're really really high lo- like they're really really high voltage. You know, two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand. I think it's actually 200, 250,000 volt transmission lines. Those run above ground, right? Those, um,
1: those big enormous ones, and yeah. when the big metal looks like right. a person. Yeah,
0: those those run above ground because the one the cost to bury them is astronomical, and two, if something happened and one of them broke, you wouldn't want to have to wait to have to like dig it up dig to it figure up, out what yeah. the problem is. Right. So
1: those run above ground. Yeah, and you can see it as easy stuff to find out where it broke. Correct. But if it's broken up in the air, you can just look up and be like, "Oh, there."
0: But yeah, this is a big deal, and it's a big it's a big deal. And and interestingly, they PSO made the decision to cancel the project predominantly because of a decision that was made by the
1: Texas in Tejas, That's right.
0: Yeah, the Texas um, uh, Public Utilities.
1: Yeah. So, and this was kind of expected. Um, so the the Public Utility Commission of Texas um, announced that. Um, what did they announce? It just says decision. They rejected the project as proposed saying it doesn't offer benefits for, for rate payers, meaning customers, you and I, um, as currently structured. So they're canceling it, you know, and I, I will say this. So it's big news today. There's always a chance that they could rejigger this and come back and be like, Oh, it's back on. Right. Like they haven't actually spent the money yet. Um, my understanding is that there are probably some kind of tax incentives involved in this coming from the state of Oklahoma to the wind industry. Yep. Do you believe that? that yeah. be true. Yep. And so um, it's a big deal. It would mean some jobs, not 9,000 jobs, but maybe a few hundred jobs. Sure. And they're probably high paying jobs. Yep. Um, also, this this project, the Wind Catcher Project, would have been um, good for the environment it would have been good, and I, I, my understanding also is that some of these wind companies are also owned from uh, international, multinational companies. So yes, it might not have been not all the wind is from here, but not all the energy or all the money stays here.
0: Got news: some of the biggest oil companies in Oklahoma have significant investment from uh, offshore multinationals. Boom. So,
1: well, and also go. some of the big well, some of the wind companies like this, in order in order to build the the wind farm, you got to. You gotta have trucks. You yep. gotta have yep. energy, yep. and a lot of that yep. comes from oil companies. Yep. And so yep. that um, it could have been a, a boon both ways. So, you know,
0: I mean, a big this, and this kind of gets to the the my overall argument concerning tariffs and trade, like economic activity is good for everyone, right? Like, like the more economic activity you have across industries the better. Right. And, and there are times that even an industry that would seem to compete with yours, the fact that they're right. Like, because the, so the wind industry, right? Like the oil industry is the oil industry says, well, we don't like wind because they're a competitor. Yeah. But all those people that they employ, that they pay, you know, those texts that they pay $150,000 a year to, to work on the windmills. Those guys have families. They drive cars, they heat their homes, right? They, and when they buy, a, you know, when they buy that SUV that burns twice the gas that their other their older car did, their older car did, that benefits oil and gas, right? Like, it, I mean the the economy, the economy works together. Um, so you know, I know there were people that were opposed to Windcatcher. There were people in favor of it. Um, I think anytime your state has the opportunity to have four point five billion dollars in investment, I even if it only creates, you know, a few hundred jobs that are permanent, I don't see how that's a bad thing. Hey,
1: man, tax money's tax money. No. So, so
0: we have covered today: <laughs> Ghostbusters Two, <laughs> Vigo the Carpathian, Carpathians in general, Kardashians, card not to be confused with Kardashians, condoms in bars, coffee shops, internet cafes, and just the general availability of condoms. Overall, a generalized theory of macroeconomics, marijuana, energy, oil and gas, marijuana again, nothing about Scott Pruitt other than seeing if we can get him on the show. I I feel like that's a pretty full day. We, we didn't have a, a Pruitt
1: watch this week, did we? I mean, I've got an article that we can use if we want to just keep this treat going. I mean, do you have it pulled up handy? Because I feel like the... The only thing this episode is missing, aside is from watch? my kitchen sink, is a uh, maybe a brief brew of watch. Get let's, let's get our music, dude. I, it's right here. I'm on it. I, I've actually added two new um, sounds to our soundboard while you were talking earlier. That's amazing.
0: So, from the New York Times. We have a piece that talks about how the uh, new chief of the EPA, the gentleman that uh, now has the job that was held by Administrator Pruitt not that long ago, Andrew Wheeler, has reversed the final policy act of his predecessor, Scott Pruitt. So as we just uh, discussed last week, uh, Mr. Pruitt had uh, sought to grant a loophole for so-called glider trucks. These are uh, tractor-trailer semis that um, have engines that Emit significantly more fumes and pollutants than newer trucks. These are old trucks. Yeah, they, <laughs> yes, with rebuilt engines. Um, so um, Mr. Pruitt had uh, put in place, or had basically tried to allow for an exemption to a rule that said you can only manufacture 300 of these trucks a year. Uh, that rule, ruling was stayed by a court. Um, and in the face of what was apparently an almost certain uh Judicial defeat. Mr. Wheeler has decided that he will reverse that policy, not grant the not, grant the loophole, and um, there will only be a certain number of glider trucks allowed to be produced this year.
1: All right. This is basically the same update as last week. No, it's no, a new update. different one. It's oh, different last one. week was just they were gonna. Last not. week was
0: the court issued the stay, and they were gonna see what happened. Right. This week is Administrator Wheeler is like, yeah, about that. No. All right. So, Mr. Pruitt's final act as EP Administrator has been kaboshed.
1: All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Consider yourself to have watched Pruitt. That's right. I believe that's all we have. Scott, can you think of anything else possible?
0: No, man. Just um, everybody plan on coming out in November, November 6th, Tower Theater, 6 p.m. We will be there. I really do like, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. We are already working on guests. We're working on, um, you know, kind of the AV, like what the presentation will be like working on food, drinks. Um, we want as many people possible as there. I, d- I don't know what the capacity is the to tower theater, Seven thousand. But, but I want it to, be, I want, I, I want people turned away at the door because there are too many of you guys there.
1: Should we have a raffle? Um, some kind of raffle. Oh yeah. yeah. Deal. Done. We'll t-shirts? have a raffle. We'll raffle some t-shirts. Yes. Ooh. Okay. I've got one more thing. Coming soon, we're gonna have some Let's Fix This lapel pins you can purchase if you wanna wear it. Wear your little red button all the time. Um, they are a uh, an, an enamel, soft enamel lapel pin. If you like Nathan Poppy's Poppy pins, these are the same company, it's a great deal. I have an unhealthy level of excitement for I know. these lapel pins. They um, We had a, a bit of a flaw in the original manufacturing process, but they should be here within a week or two. They'll be on our website available for purchase. Uh, I think for $10, which is a hell of a deal. All right, um, and also, we would like to do a new segment. Um, well, two new segments. One is the Let's Pod This Mailbag. And so for that, we need you, listeners, to send us a quick question. So send your question to podcast at letsfixthisok.org. Uh, podcast at letsfixthisok.org. That email will go to both Scott and I. And each week, we'll respond to some viewer uh, questions, comments—we'd love to hear from you. If there's something you'd like to be like to have discussed. Someone you want us to talk to. Uh, if you yourself would like to come on, send us an email. Yeah, we're uh, we're just two guys that do this in my office. So. Speaking of which, Peter, if you're listening, we haven't forgot about you. Your email is still in my inbox, and maybe we'll try to have you on in the next week or two. I get I'll, you your tote bag. I will send you an email. I have your tote bag so, somewhere handy. Um, secondly. Um, we're gonna start including a question for you and this is maybe this is how it's gonna work uh, starting next week because we're not prepared right now starting next week we're going to give you a question a reader question this will be early on in the episode top of the episode question for readers for you to respond to and you can respond on Twitter on Facebook or uh, via email we'd love to kind of uh, get your responses and we'll share some of those and make this a two-way discussion because the other podcasts you listen to, they're not—they're not hearing back from you. They, it's not a two-way thing. We want this to be a two-way thing. Why? Because we're all in this together. We're all Oklahomans. I think that'll do it. I think this is a Ghostbusters theme. Yes. This is the new version by Walk the Moon. All right. Or
0: wait for it to kick off. If you've never seen Ghostbusters, you need to God, make that happen. so good. And, oh, the
1: first one is definitely better than the second one, but they're both excellent. But Vigo, the Carpathian, is in the second one. Yeah. All right, it's so the end of the episode. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let's fix this okay. I'm going to fade this out here. All right, that's all we got of that. You want to hear Ghostbusters? I, I, I like Ghostbusters. Well, for today there's damn a lot it. of posts to do on this episode <laughs> I'm gonna have to what is this uh alright there's a pentatonics version
0: oh, damn. I'm sure it's great but no
1: yeah alright anyway hit us up on Facebook Twitter Instagram let's fix this okay and it's uh let's fix this okay.org Scott is at scmelson Andy is at andyokc uh, you know, we're a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network. Our theme music is normally uh, provided by Sugar-Free All-Stars. Today, we're stealing it from Ghostbusters. Nonpartisan, nonprofit organization. We want you to vote. We want you to show up on November 6th for our post-election party. Tell your friends. Bring them to the polls with you. Bring them to the Tower Theater with you at 6 p.m. See you next week.